everybody um hope you guys are enjoying your friday uh we're coming up onto the holiday season and new year's so it's time to get your resolutions going we have a special guest today mr galanti is up, with us and he is a 50 year old and a very he's in fantastic shape so we hope to pick his brain tell us a little bit about yourself i'm actually 51 51 okay great yeah. um you know i've been doing this uh since i'm um, 16 years old uh, I think the first time I stepped on stage was three months after I started working out. You know, I was a cocky little teenage kid, and I just, uh, I love the sport. I love the the clinging of the iron in the gym, and it was just, it was made for me. And uh, I took third out of three kids in my very first contest, but it didn't uh, distract me or discourage me. And I just loved it. I just loved it from the very beginning. Gosh, so, Vinny, I want to get you on because you recently took a pretty long hiatus, and now you're back into training. Right the new sponsor. So tell us, first of all, what was the reason for the long hiatus? So, you know, I competed in the 90s. It was a very tough era. And I was in the nationals or on the national level from 92 when I won the Junior USA to the following year when I won the USA uh, against uh, a tough class. And, you know, Cormier won the overall that year. And uh, then every year after that, I plugged away at the nationals and I was always in the top five, anywhere from second to fifth. Um, and it was, I think I did nine NPC nationals. And by the time I got to be around 39, 40 years old, I thought, okay, this dream of becoming an IFBB pro is never going to happen. And I gave the Masters Nationals a try in uh, 2008, uh, excuse me, 2007, and um, I took second place in the light heavyweight class. And right after that, literally like a couple of days after that, um, I ended up in the hospital with Bell's palsy. Leading up to the contest, I was very lethargic, very tired. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm 40 years old now. This is the way it's going to be. But really, I didn't, un- I didn't really know what was going on. I actually had, uh, I was bit by a tick and I, did, I, I got Lyme disease. And uh, I still have it today. So um, make a long story short, came back the next year. I won my class and the overall. And it basically kind of like, you know, kind of took me for a whirlwind in the sense of I didn't expect to win and get my pro card. I was more or less training and dieting to make a big impact and do the nationals one more time. And then that didn't happen because I got my pro card that night. And I was, you know. Uh, 2008. And then I did a couple of pro shows right after that, you know, in 2009, 2010. And the two, I think they started out with a 202 class and then it eventually went up to 210 or 212. Um, but I was burnt out. I, I, I was just so tired and burnt out that I didn't have any more energy. You know, for the guys who are listening, young guys, even the older guys, you know how much energy it takes and discipline where you're putting your whole world aside to train for a contest. And I've been doing that my whole life. And I just was burnt. And every contest I did, I just kept getting worse and worse. And I thought, before I ruin my good name, let me walk away from the sport. And that's what I did. I walked away. And um, at the time, I was still with Universal Nutrition. They kept me. Um, They've always treated me really well. And uh, a good friend, Andre Skiba, uh, through Animal on you know the other side of, of Universal, he used to say to me, hey, Vin, why don't you come and do a powerlifting meet? And now that I was done with the uh, bodybuilding, I thought, oh, I'll give that a whirl. So I contacted Andre, went down to Carteret, New Jersey, and trained with him uh, and natural guy, Eric Schwartz from Universal. Uh, we did powerlifting for a whole year together and trained with them every Sunday. And I did my first uh, two powerlifting meets with those guys and then called it a day. You know, it was a one and done kind of thing. I didn't, I'm not a power lifter. I just wanted to do it for the fun of it because I wanted to do something and stay active uh, in the gym. 
And then um, about two or three months later, I tore my right shoulder so bad, I tore the entire rotator cuff right off, dislocated it, ripped the whole thing apart, and I needed uh, nine screws to repair it. How'd you do that? I was being stupid. <laughs> Militaries or bench? I was doing dumbbell bench presses. I had 70s in my hand. And uh, I just thought, wow, today is a really easy day with these 70s. And so let me try 75s. I did 75s. They were easy. Went to 80s. They were easy. And then I was going to go to 85, but they were being used. So dumbass picked up 90s. And at the fifth rep, it just ripped right off. Um, but, but even then, Vinny, 90 pounds for dumbbell bench press is not that much weight. No, it wasn't that much weight. But at the time, um, my, uh, my strength levels were decreasing a little bit because my shoulders were bothering me over the years. So I knew that to stay with 70 pounds, that was a good threshold for me. Um, but I think the powerlifting got me stronger than I had realized that I was. And uh, I hadn't been using dumbbells for a while only a little bit of the ancillary work for the, for the meat, but I wasn't going that heavy. And then I just tried it one day and the nineties were too heavy. And, uh, you know, that feels- I, I bet you though, your rotator cuff was already tore before and just finally tore. Cause I have a torn rotator cuff. Probably. But, but I didn't need surgery like you did, but it just, because I didn't even know it was torn. I've been, I've been weight training for years with a torn rotator cuff. I didn't know. And I finally, I started noticing my right arm was weaker than my left. Right. So I, asked, I went and got an MRI and he's like, yeah, you got a torn rotator cuff. I was like, wow. And he said, yeah. if you continue lifting heavy, you will eventually tear it. So he warned, he gave me that warning and I had to stop lifting heavy. So in your case, it was probably already torn and then you lifted heavy and then boom. It, 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 yeah. I tore it. all four heads right off. Yeah. All four. And then, um, I had surgery on new year's Eve, 2014, 15. And, uh, Literally 13 months later, I tore my left side by picking up a five-pound dumbbell. It just ripped right off. Wow. And the doctor said it was going to it was it happen regardless of you know, whatever I did. So I was out with two rotator cuff surgeries. I have nine anchors in my right shoulder and five in my left. And I know there's a lot of guys currently who are going through shoulder surgeries and how they're coming back very fast. But, you know, I don't think they have anchors in their shoulders and and, and all of that. So it's, it's been a long road the last, uh, like, you know, four years coming back from that stuff. So I took a, I took a, uh, a, uh, I took a, a page from Dexter Jackson and just started focusing on more machine work. And that's how I came back. I think people have to remember our bodies aren't, aren't made of steel and iron where our bodies are very fragile. We're you got to get nine screws, Steve. No, I'm just saying, uh, no, <laughs> no, but I'm saying like, uh, because like a lot of the younger guys in their twenties that I did this too, I didn't think that I would ever get injured because no, you, you don't, there, you, you don't. You, you're invincible because it seems like you are, because you'll get, you'll have a little injury and then you'll be fine a few days later. But as you get older, that shit adds up. It adds and up I big got, I got my, probably my left rotator cuff is torn as well, by the way. It's not just my right. I just didn't get an MRI on my left, but if I did, it'd probably be torn as well. And I got three, four degenerative of this. Your disc health as you get older, especially when you train heavy. I used to do clean and jerks, two, 300 pounds over my You're head. getting shorter. It's like my degenerative this. So you younger guys, like you really have to be smart about the way you train. And uh, they will. Remember. You know, I talk to a lot of young guys in the gym and uh, they roll their eyes at me. You know, they look at me like, oh, you're just the old guy. And, and I'm like, guys, just lighten the weight. You don't need to do what what you're doing. And I wish that I was, you know, able to see that when I was younger, because it was older guys who used to tell me and I would laugh at them. So these yeah. younger guys, they're going to eventually get an injury and then they'll, they'll learn. These are invisible injuries. That's the thing. Cause when you have a torn rotator cuff, when it's lightly torn, exactly. you can exactly. still train through it and you don't really notice it. Cause you kind of feel something, maybe some inflammation, but to you, it's just normal, you know, soreness after a workout. So it's very disguised. Well, it's also, I mean, if we're going to be frank here, it's also disguised because we're taking drugs. I mean, that's the truth of the matter, too. A lot of the guys are taking, you know, high amounts of, of stuff, and you don't feel. It's, the drugs are doing what they're supposed to do. You don't feel the pain. And, you know, I think that at the time when I injured myself, 
I was trying to uh, come off of everything. And it, you know, not that I ever took a lot over the course of my career, but I was trying to come off. And I, I think that I was still trying to be the old Vinnie Galanti and train the old way, eat the same way and train the same way when I was trying to, you know, come down on, off of everything. And I think, you know, maybe I wouldn't have torn it at the time. I don't know. Who knows? But I think that's what happens too. You've got younger guys who are all geared up and you don't feel anything. And that's why they can bounce back a lot faster too. And that's the truth of the matter. Guys are going to go out there and say, that's not true. I could, I could train drug free. <laughs> you can't, you can't do the same shit um, off gear when you're training as opposed to what you're doing when you're on gear. That's, that's what I was going to say is that if you're a young guy, and even if you're just using a little bit of gear, like even if you're just using some tests, you feel like Superman. You feel like oh, a little bit goes a long way. So Vinny, you're 51. Right. You got two messed up shoulders. What the hell is making you want to get back into training? I love it. I love it. So at first I wanted to just get my body back. I never thought about a contest. I didn't even think about a contest. Um, I went into some pretty bad depression after get. I never been out of shape. Okay, so my out of shape is you know just just seeing the lines in my abs. Now I got to the point of just being so out of shape where I couldn't breathe walking up a flight of stairs. I got to the point of being uh, just uh, you know. I was eating Skittles for dinner. That, that's how bad it got. You know, I wasn't eating out of Tupperware anymore. I wasn't eating six meals a day. Um, I wasn't training. Um, I was off of everything. And, um, you know, like a year and a half later, I found myself with a big fat stomach, um, small, skinny, and can't breathe, and probably the worst shape of my life. And the only thing I knew was contest training. And I didn't think about competing but I thought about, okay, if I just put one step forward and eat meal one and get in the gym again, meal two, meal three, and it would just all click back and I'd get into shape. But then the bug bit me. And at my age, I just want to, you know, see where I can go. And the IFBB now has presented a few master's pro shows, which is great for guys like me. Interesting. Interesting. So how is it? How, how, I guess the topic of this podcast is training, nutrition, supplements as an older guy versus the younger guy. So what are you doing differently? Let's talk about diet first. So um, when he was 20, what's the difference? Well, my body changed drastically. Um, when I was in my 20s and my 30s, even, even closer to 40, I got in shape fast. Never had a problem getting in shape. I could be off-season fat, and in 12 weeks, I can get in shape for a show. No issues. But this time... Uh, it was a different ball game. Um, I had a hard time getting in shape. Nothing was working. I went through so many different diets and a good friend of mine, Scott Applebaum, who's down in Florida is originally from Staten Island. Uh, he took the patients some time and we just discussed every nutritional aspect that we could attack contest prep. And it, it, you know, I must've stressed him out a little bit because I was getting stressed out because nothing was working. I did a keto diet, which I did for 2008. Dave Palumbo did my diet and it worked like a charm. Um, this time I was having uh, digestive issues and I just couldn't get anything down. I couldn't, uh, I was having acid reflux issues, all old guy shit, you know, that just, I didn't want to accept. Um, we changed my diet a billion times, low carb, high carb, rotate uh, carbs, um, low fat, and nothing was working. And then all of a sudden, once I threw in high carbs, higher than um, I was used to, all of a sudden my body just started kicking in. And some may say it just took longer to work. Some may say, you know, you gotta find the right, the right formula. I don't know what the answer is, but now everything's pretty much working pretty good. I'm still kind of lean, I'm training heavier. And after this last contest, that was five weeks ago, six weeks ago, I took full advantage of what I used to do for post contest and that's have a good rebound and you know old school guys we called it you know just eat clean after a contest these new guys i think they call it uh something else um uh reverse dieting oh yeah. we just called it don't be a dumbass and stop eating pizza and all that crap after a contest um so i'm, I'm just you know eating good a lot of carbs and uh just thinking about the next contest so with carbs high does that mean fats are relatively low 
Yeah. So when I was a baby, I had a disease called um, pyloric stenosis. And they had to open me up and reconfigure my stomach. Not a, not a lot of people know that. And um, Scott and I came to the conclusion that um, maybe now that I'm older, that what I went through when I was a baby is kind of backfiring on me now where I can't digest fats as well. And so if I even like have a tablespoon of peanut butter now, my stomach's messed up for two or three days. So I keep my fats low. I couldn't hear you. You have your gallbladder removed? I have not. No, my gallbladder's fine. I'm actually healthy. It's, uh, they just realigned my, my stomach when I was uh, about seven, seven days old. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe your liver might not be storing bile salts properly. I, I, you know, I've been to the doctor. I've had blood work. I've been checked and everything is running fine. Maybe you're old. Hmm? Maybe you're old. Maybe I'm old. That's it. But, I, but I look good for being 51. So it's all good. <laughs> So that's, that's interesting, Vinny, because normally you hear the older guys say that they become more carb sensitive and have to go lower carb. So for you, it's actually the reverse. I'm not saying that I eat high carbs all day long. I mean, every day, but there are days when I have higher carbs as far as high, probably as 500 grams of carbs and as low as 200 grams. Um, when I was younger, I actually worked better with low carbs, oddly enough. Like I could go for three or four days on zero carbs and I could look big, full and thick and ripped and add, you know, two or three days of only 150 grams of carbs and look like I took in a lot more. My body worked well with that. And today it's not, it's kind of weird. So I just go with the flow, figured it out. It took about a good year to figure it out, which was kind of frustrating um, because my metabolism used to be so fast and so predictable that this time was not predictable. And I actually probably put more effort into this than I ever have um, because I had to figure it out. And I'm a guy who doesn't like to fail. So if I can't figure it out, I'm going to keep finding ways and ask a billion people. I went through, I asked so many people to help me and so many people just blew me off. They didn't want anything part of me. I asked one guy, well, I'm not going to mention his name, but he's a very popular uh, trainer in uh, Long Island and uh, he trains a few pros. And, you know, he made up a bullshit story that he was quitting, not going to be competing, not going to be training guys who were competing anymore. Uh, I think, I think, you know, he, he basically didn't want any part of me um, because I wasn't doing so good. And uh, that was one motivational factor that was just like, that burned my ass. Like, just tell me, you don't want to work with me. Just tell me, don't make up a story. So there were a lot of guys who blew me off and um, Scott Applebaum, my, a good buddy, Chris Barron, who used to be my training partner years ago. And now recently, uh, Victor Munoz, who trains Victor Martinez, um, we've teamed up. And he said, let's just forget all about all the negative shit, uh, people don't, who, don't, who don't believe in you, and let's just have a small little team. And we've been working together. T uh, Victor has been kicking my ass in the gym and figuring out other ways of getting around uh, my shoulder surgeries. You know, my shoulder surgeries are in the past. So that's, that's gone. That's, that's, that's behind me now. And now it's just figuring out, um, which I have figured out. Um, but not letting my ego get in the way because now my strength is back and I have to be careful. You know, I can't pick up, I can, but I have to be careful. You know, I can, I can, I can dumbbell bench eighties, nineties and hundreds again, but I do those sparingly because I don't want to get hurt again. That was the most painful thing I've ever experienced. So do you think that, um, all things being equal, I know like age is a factor too, but do you think all things being, you know, if you had went back in time, just train lighter weight, would you have still had just as good of uh, results up until now? Or do you think the heavier weight really did help you break plateaus, uh, take things to the next level? Well, I think the heavier weight gives you a foundation, a certain th a thickness. Um, you know, I've built that up over the years and now it's back. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, we won't know because I don't have a time machine, you know, I don't know, but I will say that, um, I wish that I incorporated time under, under tension into my workouts when I was younger. A lot of guys introduced it to me back in the eighties and nineties. Um, and I blew it off because no, I got to lift heavy. I got to lift heavy. And you know, I was, just, I was, a, I was a young kid and I didn't want to learn anything like, like I'm experiencing now I'm the old guy in the gym trying to teach these kids. Um, you know, 
sometimes I get a young guy. Uh, yesterday I trained with this guy, Greg. He came to me, um, uh, wanted to train back. He asked me a few days ago, what do you think? I want to do the nationals. And I was blunt. And that's another thing. These guys today, they want old school. They want to talk about, oh, I do old school stuff. But a lot of these young guys don't have the heart to accept how the real old school guys talked to each other. We were blunt. We were brutal. Um, we were honest. We, we would say to each other, we would tell each other, you sucked or you're not good enough or don't do the show. Today, these guys don't want to hear that. And when this guy, Greg, came to me, he said, hey, I want to do the Nationals. And I was like, really? I go, what show did you do? He tells me the show he did. I said, that's a small contest that you won the overall. Go win the Eastern USA and then brag that you won a big contest and then go talk about going to the Nationals. Like the guys today think like, oh, I qualified. It's, it's a crazy that's, world. That's kind of weird because um, it sounds like there's a sensitivity issue, but that's kind of weird considering with social media like how many people on social media have Instagram pages and they have to deal with people insulting them and talking trash and stuff off their keyboard. So no. they can deal with that, but they can't no. deal with in person. No, someone. no, because I, I see yeah. it all the time. Like even there's guys in my gym who, who are boasting about themselves on social media. And then when they get somebody who talks trash to them or messages them a direct, a DM, they post the DM and then say, look, I have haters thinking they've accomplished something, meaning like, like some, some of them think like it's almost like a rite of passage to say, I have haters. Like, you didn't accomplish anything. That's why people hate you. People drag on you. You didn't accomplish anything. And so you're bragging about shit. You're posting all your videos. You didn't win anything. You didn't even enter a show yet. And so, you know, I, I laugh. You know, I try to break balls all the time. When I'm in the gym, I try to break balls and have, a, have it pretty lighthearted. Um, some of these guys think I'm a dick. I don't give a shit. Um, I try to get them angry to train harder. They don't understand the concept. Um, I can tell you a funny story. Craig Richardson, he and I would go at it year after year. I never beat Craig. Craig's training partner, and we're going back in the nineties now, Craig's training partner, Harley was my training partner. And then all of a sudden now he becomes Craig's training partner. And today they're still training partners. Uh, Craig is a, a, a good friend of mine. Harley's a good friend of mine to this day. But we, bought the, we brought the best out of each other. I walked up to Craig one day and I said, hey, are we going to be friends after I beat the shit out of you at the USA? He looked at me like, this guy, you know, I think I took sixth and he won his class or Jason Arts won his class that year. Um, so we, do, we did shit like that back then. And I had to eat crow on Monday morning when I went back into the gym. I had to eat, I, you know, I was like, hey, fucked up. I didn't look my best. And uh, I got ragged on for that. And, um, but guys can't deal with that today. It's a, it's, it's a different world. Um, I try to, I bite my tongue a lot because I see guys um, boasting and bragging and then they get clobbered in the contest and then they say, oh, it was political. No, it was just like 30 guys better than you. That's all. And guys don't understand. It's hard. I think, I think you brought up a really good point, Vinny, about coaches cherry picking clients and coaches not being real with people. Cause I mean, I've had people reach out to me before and they just, they wanted to get on stage for the first time. And I'm like, dude, that's a, that's, that's a great goal. But I'm be flat honest with you. You got at least three years of work right now. You're skinny and fat. If right. you go on a stage in a year, you would look embarrassing. And I'm just being straight up with you. I can get you on all the drugs in the world. You need, you need at least three years to actually be competitive on stage. And it's a hard pill to swallow because the problem now with Instagram is that all these Instagram stars, they really try to sell you, hey, buy my ebook, buy these supplements. In 12 weeks, you can look like me. And that's bullshit. It is. It is. A newbie doing everything right, having a good coach, being super disciplined, needs at least three years to even look presentable on stage. And that's, yeah. and that's just like at a local show, you know, hoping to win his class. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you have to also understand, like, okay, so talk about the drug thing for a second. And the mindset of what it used to be like here in New Jersey and in New York. So we used to, today, it's called the uh, Kemper Classic. It used to be called the Suburban Bodybuilding Championships, and it was like one of the most prestigious contests we had. If you competed in the Suburban, the next step was to go to the Jersey. 
But if you couldn't win the jersey, you didn't go to the Junior USA. And if you couldn't win the Junior USA, you surely wouldn't go to the USA or the Nationals. Even if you qualified, it just, you would almost be abused in the gym. If you walked into Diamond Gym and you did the Suburban for the first time ever and took second place and told everybody you were going to the Nationals, you'd get abused. And I know that if there's guys from Diamond listening or you know, hearing us today, they, and, they're, and they're in their late 40s and 50s, they'd be like, yeah. I mean, I, I trained along some, some badasses at the time um, who, you know, Guy Ducasey, uh, uh, I, to just name one off the top of my head. Um, these guys were just old school hardcore. And, and training was, 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 there, was in their blood and guts. And I learned from a good era. Um, these guys today are just, you know, up and coming too fast, which is not a bad thing, not a bad thing. But you're not going to see a Kevin Lavrone anymore who comes out of nowhere. You're not going to see a Flex Wheeler. Uh, you don't see that anymore. And then you got guys like me who took 16 years to turn pro. Are, are, they, are they really going to stick it out for nine, 10 nationals? If Instagram didn't exist, would they still be around? I don't think so. Steve, you got anything to add there? I think in professional sports, we see this as well because um, a quarterback gets drafted and now week one, he's expected to go in there and then play. You know, he's expected to win and he's expected to do great. But I mean, 20 years ago, Dan Marino got drafted, what, 30 years ago? He didn't play his first game. He didn't play until toward the end of the year. John Elway sucked his first year. Peyton Manning sucked his first year. You know, right. and so back then they would have crucified him, you know, and, and said he sucked and he would have been out of the league, you know. I mean, yeah. now that's just the ADHD society. Everything, results have to come right away or we don't accept it. It's like that in everything, sitcoms. How many times do you, like, all in the family, the first two or three years had shit ratings, you know, nobody watched it. And then fourth, fifth year, it blew up. It became the best sitcom of, of the time. So now sitcom, they give it one or two shows. If the ratings suck, they cut it. So it's like uh, we, we are in an ADHD society. And that, that is a, definitely a factor in, in bodybuilding. So that's a great point. You know, getting back to coaching and stuff, um, a lot of people don't stick with their coaches long enough neither. Um, you know, they, they – I can't tell you how many times I myself and other coaches have been badmouthed. Um, if they have a, a, a first-time competitor uh, and the person didn't win, they'll go on social media and just destroy your name. And that's not cool. You know, you got to stick it out. Look at Flex Lewis. He's been with his coach for how long? 20 years? Been a long time. You got to stick it out. People don't know how to stick it out today. That's why, like, I think I have longevity because – and also with my – my persistence in, in finding out what's working for me. I wanted to make sure I get my body back. And, you know, I competed in the masters Baltimore pro a few weeks ago, five weeks ago. And, uh, it was probably, I was close to what I used to look like, but at the last, I'm making excuses, but I did something at the very end that just ruined, ruined my package. And I took a diazide thinking that it was going to help. And it didn't, you know, I made a, I made a, a, a rookie mistake. Um, I knew better. And, uh, you know, next time I won't do that. Um, but, but it doesn't distract me or deter me from thinking of competing again. Like I have never thought negative about the sport. I've always been uh, very positive and uh, very, very, you know, good outlook. Um, you know, NPC, IFBB has been my home since day one and uh, I support the, the whole, the whole thing. Vinny, let's, let's talk about learning what's right for your body because we live in the era of the guru, right? Everyone has a coach, but right. no one knows your body better than yourself. So when you figure out what's right for your body, whether it be training, drugs, nutrition, what do you do? How, how do you keep a logbook? Are you taking photos? Um, what's, what's your method of the madness? So, okay, we'll keep it simple for a second. So like Dave Palumbo did my program, um, for the Masters Nationals in 08. And when he gave it to me, uh, I Googled the diet and it was exactly the same diet that he gave me online. And so, so many people were like bashing him saying it's a cookie cutter diet. I put all of that negative, negative crap aside and I said, you know what? I'm not gonna listen to that. 
I'm just going to do this diet. I'm going to follow it to a T. And end story. It was one of the best conditions I was ever in my life. And I get my pro card. I think a lot of people um, talk about this cookie cutter diet bullshit. Well, you know what? All, all diets start out the same exact way. When I train somebody, if I take five people at the same exact time and I, and I got a show in 16 weeks for all five guys, I'm going to start them out exactly the same amount of food. I don't care if they're a bantam weight or a light heavyweight or a heavyweight. It doesn't really matter. And people, people like bash this whole thing about um, bro science and all. You're, you're watering bodybuilding down. It really is. I, pick things, I, I put things down and pick them up. It really is about that. And I, I laugh at that stuff that, you know, like certain commercials are making fun of us and stuff. Um, and, and, and just it's just too like trying to be too smart. Find out what works for you over trial and error. So I start all five guys out on the same diet. One might be carb sensitive. After two or three weeks, I start lowering his carbs. One guy might need more carbs. One, one guy might need a cheat meal on Wednesday and Sunday. That's how it changes because it be, then it becomes individualized. And I say to everybody I train, you need to pay attention to what is working for you. After two or three days of doing something, you need to make a log or figure out, hey, do I look better on the second day? Do I look better on the third day? And I emphasize this because there's going to be a day when you're not going to work with me anymore. And then you're going to be alone and you're going to try to figure it out. And then another coach is going to come along and say, Vinny sucked, do it this way. And that's just the way it works. It's always the next guy says the last guy sucked. And whether he won or not, well, we got better things for you. We could do something else. And that was one of the reasons why when I started talking to Victor Munoz, when we were talking and I told him how I prepped for this contest, he never once said, hey, all of those things were negative. He said, hey, let's see what we could do better. Let's see how we can move forward. And it was a very positive because he's old school also. Um, I, I think that everybody should keep a log, I, I think, um, or, or a mental note. Um, which is kind of hard because you, you don't remember what the hell happened three days ago when you're on a diet, right? Um, some guys need more carbs. I think you should test the waters sometimes and really have a set of balls and go, you know what? I'm going to go four days with no carbs and let's see how much it fucks me up. And that's what we used to do. I mean, I used to have uh, Maz Ali down at Body Works in Patterson. We would be doing shows and he's like, all right, go two days, no carbs. Okay. Come back on a third day. He goes, Go another day, no carbs. Okay. Come back four days later. Hey, let's go another day at zero carbs. And now I'm like flat as a pancake and I look like shit. I'm like, oh man, my conditioning is, ah, just relax. Then we carb up for three or four days. And then we start pushing the envelope, how much carbs I could take and how much carbs would take to make me look good. And then how much carbs would take to make me look good, but then spill over. So it's all a, it's all a, 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 a kind of figure out uh, as you go kind of thing. Um, but as I've gotten older, my body has changed. So everything I've done doesn't even apply anymore. So it's really interesting for me now to uh, be back in this and trying to figure it out. It's like day one all over again, which is kind of cool. Steve, you got anything to jump in there? Yes, not. I, no, I was gonna I was gonna ask um, I'm sorry my microphone was on but I was gonna ask about you had mentioned the diuretics before has there um, been a lot of changes with, with contest prepping over the past 30 years when it comes to diuretic use insulin use HGH use etc um, I've never used insulin um, I'm iffy on getting growth hormone because I don't know what it really is when I you know I've seen it uh, Last time I've actually used it was probably 15 years ago. Um, diuretics, same story. It's hit or miss. Some guys have taken it. I have taken it where I've looked amazing and it worked. And I've taken it and it ruined my physique. I, I, I'd go from one day looking big, full, and thick to the next day looking like I couldn't even win a novice contest. So for the guys out there, this is, this is, this is one thing. So... Um, a few years ago, uh, Fockery introduced me to using sodium in my diet, which at the time, a lot of guys didn't use that back in the day. Um, we would look for anything that had no sodium. So 
I started using sea salt on all my foods and I realized that drinking a ton of water and using sea salt throughout all my meals kept me dry, full, and thick, not carbs. So it was a balance between figuring out how much carbs I needed, but never removing sodium. So a lot of guys will look, you'll see it on Instagram, peeled on Tuesday or Wednesday, and then have a coating at the show. And I think those are the guys that manipulated their soda. And I've been, I, 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 I'm, I'm a, I've done it myself. So I can, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody, but it's just like, you know, we all get to the end of the contest and think we could be 5% better. But then what happens is we become 20% worse. Usually that's the case. We never get better. When we try to manipulate how amazing we look, when we say, okay, man, this is the best I've ever looked. I want to get better. No, it usually backfires. And it backfires bad too. I'm not sure what it is about insulin, but everyone wants to get on insulin for some reason. I mean, I insulin is not new. I mean, you have to understand, insulin has been around over 20 years. I remember back at Strong and Shapely Gym when I used to train there, guys were using insulin in 96, 97. This is not new. It's not a new thing. Um, it's just, it's, that's another thing. It's trial and error. It's, uh, you take it and see what happens. Um, I know a couple of guys ended up in the hospital um, because they thought, oh, I'm going to push the envelope when it's something that should be taken in small increments. Um, there's guys who have mastered it. Um, I've talked to a couple of top pros today who tried to talk me into using it. But at 51, where am I really going with my career? You know, I, I got to be realistic. I'm not 31. I'm not going to push the envelope like I used to. Not that I push the envelope, but I'm not going to take chances at 51. My health is more important. And these Masters Pro Shows, it's more for, you know, really testing my body out and seeing what I'm capable of doing and competing against some of the best in the world. Uh, that are in my age bracket, you know, I enter, I entertain the thought of, you know, going into a two twelve show, but then I look at these guys, I'm like, Oh boy, these guys are nasty. You know, um, you know, the Vin Vinny Galanti doesn't exist anymore now. Now, I mean, you know, the old Vinny Galanti. So I got to be realistic on who I am when I walk into the gym and what contest I pick and choose, um, and how I'm going to use, uh, steroids and how I'm going to apply them. Um, I can tell you a real quick story. Um, and, and this could apply to a lot of young guys out there. 1995, in 1994, 1995, I was having a really hard time making the middleweight class of the nationals. In those two years, I took fifth. And I knew my, I, I realized my body didn't want to be, did not want to get past about 183 pounds. It, 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 it would get extremely flat when I tried to make 176 and a quarter. And I couldn't, I couldn't, re, I wasn't ever a, a guy who could make a weight class and in 24 hours bounce back by eating a lot of food. There's a lot of guys who could do that. I'm not one of them. So I'm in Gold's Gym in Venice and top pro, uh, he's retired now. Um, I should have contacted him, asked him if I could tell him the story, tell the story, but I didn't want to mention his name, but he said, why do you come off? I'm like, well, well is that what you're supposed to do? I, you know, I, I do my, my thing for 15, 16 weeks before a show and then I come off the rest of the year. He's like, no, dude, you have to stay on the entire year. Like the entire year, I'm like, holy shit. So I stay on the entire year. I don't compete in 1996. Fast forward, I do a photo shoot for John Perillo. And I'm out in uh, Cincinnati doing a photo shoot. I'm in great shape. Mind you, it's June of 2000, uh, 1997. And I haven't been off. For me, this was a big thing. I haven't been off in probably two years at the time. A year and a half. And I'm all, you know, like dieted down now and never stepped on a scale. didn't even think of it because I wasn't training for a show, but I was just dieting for a photo shoot. So we're out there and he says, hey, the junior nationals are next week. Are you training for that? I'm like, no, I just trained for your photo shoot. He's like, we'll stay here a few more days and go to the junior nationals. I'm like, well, I already won the USA as a middleweight. He goes, so what? You're moving up a weight class. So do the junior nationals. It's not a step backwards. I was like, okay. So I get to the contest, get on the scale. Eventually, I, I did win my weight class. I won the light heavies at the junior nationals, but I was only four pounds heavier after doing all of this shit for over a year and a half. I gained just four pounds. So I knew right then and there that being on gear for me was a short period of time, not a long period of time. That worked better for me. And then I did the nationals that year. I took fourth and then came off 
until the till 12 weeks out the next nationals and put another two or three pounds on my body regardless of how much i took or how long i took it i never put more than a couple pounds on i was i'm a, I'm, I'm a true hard gainer even if i took steroids and i have to tell you guys this is the first time i've ever talked about steroids openly publicly well Vinny, i think i think you i think you brought up a good point in that i think a lot of people are scared to come off because their identity is tied to their muscles, right? So they're scared to come on. You're all the time, you know, guys who are on TRT, they blast and cruise. Well, but I got I to gotta think about TRT too. That, that, that irks the shit out of me. Because back in the day, you came off. When you came off, you didn't take a shot. That means you did not fill a syringe up and you didn't stick anything in your ass. That was off. Now guys are coming up with the term TRT. I'm 51. I need TRT. A 25-year-old guy doesn't need TRT. You're just lazy and you're coming up with excuses to say, I need to stay on. So I'm going to call it TRT. The true term of TRT is testosterone replacement therapy. I'm 51. I don't produce it anymore. So I need it. And guys, I'm with you. I'm with you, Vinny. There's guys out there who, who are coming up with these, these terms now to say, I need, oh, I'm just on TRT. You're still on, you dumbass you're still you're never coming off so we used to come off when i when i say i'm off i'm off i mean i'm not doing anything i'm off but these guys today what i was going to say is that trt from a doctor that's going to be 100 150 maybe 200 milligrams per week right that's that's what your doctor will prescribe you and that if you get blood work done that is going to keep you in the normal range where you're going to be on the upper end of the normal range which is the goal of trt we always see guys on the message board saying, oh, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm cruising right now. I'm just on my TRT. They're on like 400 milligrams. They're adding in Proviron. They're adding in like all the, that's not TRT. No, it's not. It's not. And I don't know who taught them this, but it, it, it's, it's just like, you know, you, you make better gains when you're on. However, when you come off and you let your body regulate, and when you go back on, you'll make even better gains. These guys are not realizing what negative um, impact they're having on their tendons, their joints, their ligaments, their heart. They don't know what they're doing. And they're thinking like, oh, it's just testosterone. It's just proviron. Well, you're going to shut your body down and you're, you're not going to produce to have children one day. And if you have kids, fantastic. And I guess look at all the – like look at Lee Labrada. Look at all these top pros – that are retired, they all have children because they knew what they were doing back in the 90s. They came off. They knew what to do after the show. There was no head games. You know? And also too, I think it, social media has ruined the sport. It's, in, it's helped the sport to a great deal, but it's ruining the sport because it's ruining false hopes. It's giving false hopes to people because they're thinking like, oh, this top name looks like that all the time. No, this top name guy or girl takes a thousand pictures, but when they're literally off season, they're in hibernation. They're covered up. They don't even post any pictures. They just keep posting mm-hmm. pictures that what they used to look like, not what they currently look like. So they got to know, listen, I'd be playing the game too. You know, a lot of guys used to be really pissed off back in the day. Like I got all of this, all of this coverage, but you know what I did? I would write to every muscle and fitness, Muscle Training Illustrated, which doesn't exist anymore, uh, Iron Man Magazine, Flex Magazine, which doesn't exist anymore. Um, And I would write to everybody in the magazine. I'd send a picture. I think I went to, uh, I don't know, like some some place to get Xerox copies of my pictures and I put a nice collage together and I I would mail it out to all the magazines. And nobody cared to, to contact me back until I started to actually win some stuff. So when I started winning, that's when I started getting on magazine covers. Um, Danny Hester and I did a ton of magazine covers uh, back in the 90s. And um, I, I try to post them up when I find them on Instagram. Uh, you know, bodybuilding has given me the opportunity to travel the world. Uh, I was with Universal Nutrition for 18 years. Um, now my new, my new sponsor is G-Code Nutrition. Um, big shout out to them for... Uh, you know, putting me under their wing and uh, giving me, giving me some life at 51. 
But like these guys today, you know, they don't understand. They, they don't get it. I'm going to say one thing and then yeah. see what you jump in. So what you said, Vinny, is completely true. And it's kind of like a two steps backward for one step forward approach is that your body gets used to any drug. And the right. simplest way that you can test this is coffee. Most of us drink a cup of coffee every single day. You don't even notice it after any while because your body gets so used to it. Stop drinking that coffee for a week or switch to decaf for a week. On that eighth day, when you drink that cup of coffee, it's going to hit you. You're going to be like, holy crap, like I'm super energized. And that's just coffee. That's a super mild stimulant. But it's the same thing with drugs is that if you're on gear 24-7, the amount of androgen receptors in your muscles actually decreases. And there's scientific data validating this. So when you take that time off, it, lives your, it gives your androgen receptors a chance to reset so that when you come on again, you can get that much more from your cycle. Yeah. When I, when I did uh, my cycle for the Masters Baltimore Pro, I literally used a fraction of the amounts that I had used in the past, and it worked amazingly. And I was looking on message boards, like what these guys use, and I was like, oh, scratching my head, like, oh, my God. I can't believe, like, some people are recommending – for a first-time user, uh, 400 milligrams of DECA and 500 milligrams of test. First time? Come on, guys. Seriously? You could take one shot of test for every 10 days for 10 shots, the ver- very first time you're using it. And you'll, you, if you train your ass off and eat a lot of food, you'll get a lot out of that. But, you know, they listen to some idiot on a message board when I, I can't tell you how many times I'll be in the gym and I'll tell young guys, I'm like, I don't mean to sound like an asshole, but do you know who I am? Do you know what I've accomplished? Oh, yeah. You're talking to another kid your age who has no experience. Get off of that. You don't need that. Oh, I got to use it. He said so. And I get it all the time. I, I, I talk to other guys my age, and it drives them nuts. And uh, so I'm at the point now, like, I just go, well, it's something I wouldn't do, but good luck. And uh, I hope you, you know, you, you get what you want out of that. I don't, I don't fight it anymore. I don't. Look, I mean, Vinny, the, the bottom line is, though, the 15 to 25 male demographic are the most naive group of any group. Like, they'll, they believe in the roost. I remember when I was coming out of college, the poker was the big thing. I don't know if you remember that. Like, you'd see on ESPN, these guys winning millions yeah. of dollars. How many friends of mine actually took a briefcase with $5,000, flew to Vegas in the hopes of becoming the next millionaire? Every mm. single one of them came back broke. Every mm. single one. But you believe it because you see it on TV. You see these poker guys on social media. You see all this stuff. And they believe the bullshit. It's just a huge ruse. So yeah. all you young guys, stop believing the bullshit and realize that you, know, you need – genetics to be a pro you know to be a top level pro you need genetics and not all of you are going to have naturally high testosterone levels so if you go run blood work at 20 or 25 years old your blood works only at 400 your testosterone levels that's what you know you're naturally at so i mean you don't need trt when your testosterone levels are at 400 or 500 at 25 years old you don't Unless you have some medical condition, I don't know, maybe you lost your nut or something, your ball got cut off in an accident, you don't need TRT. But you have all these 25-year-olds hopping on TRT because they go to the doctor and the doctor's like, yeah, I'll put you on TRT. You don't need TRT. You don't need it. Well, I also think it's, uh, I use this term, a rite of passage in a sense. I think they all want to be a part of something. You know, all the guys today want to be a part of this cult. And that's what it is. Bodybuilding is a cult. We're, we're still a small little thing. Also cool. You know what I mean? It's like in high school, I tried smoking pot because everyone was doing it. And you know, you're not supposed to do it. So it's kind of like badass. I thought it was really boring. I thought like, I thought the smoking of the pot was actually more fun than being high. But I, I hated being high. I was like, I feel lazy and unproductive. This is stupid. But you do it because you know, you're not supposed to. And you're kind of like sticking it to the man or whatever. Right. Like 18 year olds, you know, they hear about these steroids like D-ball and everything like that. And they Google it, and then Arnold Schwarzenegger's name comes up. They're like, oh, man, this is cool. Yeah. So I, think, I think that's part of it. And the problem is that their coach is the one selling them the drugs, and they're making money off of it. Yeah. Their coach is like, hey, if you want to take some gear, that's cool. Like, I'll hook you up. So it's, 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 a, it's a vicious cycle where no one wins. I had 
a very prom- promising young guy a few years ago. We had a falling out um, because of this whole topic. Huh? Tyler Cohen? Yes. Yes. I have a lot of respect for the kid. He can go really far. He, he can. We had a falling out. Um, and, uh, you know, he pushed my buttons and I actually had a screaming match one day on the phone, which I completely regret. Um, you know, I, I, sometimes I wish I can give him a call to say, I, I want to apologize because I was stupid on my, on my end. I was, I'm an adult screaming at a kid because I was trying to show him the way in a more, in my opinion, and it wasn't his opinion. And that was, you know, I was trying to get it to be, Hey man, I've been down the road. You're trying to go. And it just backfired on me. I was trying to get him to not use a lot. And uh, I don't know his story now. You know, I wish him well. I, I, he's having good success now. Um, he's, he's, he won a show this year. He looks great. Um, but uh, at the time, we butt heads because of I saw the change and how the direction was everybody's the, the, the mindset was um, more drugs, more, more, more. Uh, what I had recommended, you know, he almost was screaming at me in a sense like, that's not enough. I'm like, you never used it before. It is enough. Um, so it's not, not nothing negative towards him. It's just in a whole, this whole Instagram, social media has brainwashed kids into thinking a certain way. Um, my outlook on what I thought he should have done was not his outlook. And that was my fault where I should have listened to him a little bit more. And on the other side, on the other side it would have been great if he could have listened to me because I think we, we made, we're making a great team. I loved the kid at the time. And I still do. I, I think he's a great kid. We just had a falling out. Um, it went, it went bad. Um, I haven't talked to him since. So, you know, I wish him well. I do. I think he's, uh, he's got great, great promise in the sport. Do you remember when you were like 13 and your dad would give you advice and you'd think like, who is this old man? Like he doesn't, yep. he doesn't get me. What an idiot. Yep. And then you get a little bit older, you get a little bit older and you're maybe like 25. And you think back to the advice you get, your dad gave and you're like, holy shit, he was right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I don't have children, you know, I don't have children. So I don't, I've never had the opportunity to, to raise anyone and to have that experience. So at the time, not, you know, I didn't just have Tyler. I had other young guys and, and, and young girls who were just like, it was like a, a crazy, and I don't know, you know, I, I don't know if it was just, I was under stress at the time because I was, I was changing my personal training studio into a gym I had rotator cuff surgery. There was stress. And I don't know if it was just because I, I couldn't think straight. Who knows? But at the timing was way off. And all these, all these competitors were like, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, oh, my God, I do. Just listen to me. You'll go far. Um, but that's their journey. And if, if it ever comes full circle and I get a chance to talk to any of them again, yeah. You know, because I did things wrong, too. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't perfect. I'm, I'm human. And I have, I have a reaction too, you know? The herd, the herd mentality when you're that age really comes back to bite you. I done a couple stupid things when I was that age, all because friends got me doing something I shouldn't have done and stuff. So the herd mentality, the peer pressure and all that is what the young male tends to gravitate towards. So yes. as you get older, the best thing to do when you get, when you get older is move to a completely different town. If you're stuck in some town in middle America, you're only going to get yourself into trouble. <laughs> you're still communicating with people you grew up with. Like we see professional athletes, they become multimillionaires and then they still are hanging out with these losers that they grew up with. Cause those are their friends, quote unquote. And we just saw that with Kareem Hunt. He just blew an $80 million contract potentially because he was hanging out with the losers he grew up with. Why does he need to be hanging out with these losers? You should have been, you'd be independent, go out on your own. So don't get involved in that herd mentality and hang out with these stupid idiots that you grew up with. That's the, well, that's the number one issue. Well, well, Tyler didn't hang out with any idiots and it wasn't the case, but, um, and this has nothing to do with Tyler, but a lot of the times um, you do not believe the guy that lives in your town. You believe in a coach that lives in another state or another country. It's been that way since day one. Uh, you know, uh, somebody told me that back in the early nineties that um, you always think whoever lives furthest away knows more than the next guy that lives near you. That's a coach or has been in the sport. I remember, uh, you know, we didn't have, we didn't call them coaches at the time. And this guy, Lance, 
uh, he, he helped me for the USA back in 93. And uh, Chad Nichols, I think, was up and coming. And people were trying to get me to work with Chad Nichols. I'm like, why? Because he lives so far away. And, you know, like it was, you know, that's the mentality that this sport has. It's kind of crazy to me. I, you know, I try to stay, stay close to home. Vinny, the perfect example of that is Kuwait. Everyone thinks all these guys going to Kuwait, they're on some magic peptide myostatin inhibitor. We've had all the guys in Kuwait on this podcast that have told you what drugs they're using. They're not using anything magic. They're using the same stuff as everyone here in North America. Well, I don't know <laughs> what they're using. Um, and, and one thing that you have to understand, too, is if you, if you go back to 1994, 97, and you took a, an anadrol, well, let's even go milder. You took Anavar, which was 10 or 20 milligrams. You could take 20 milligrams of Anavar, serial Anavar, and get an amazing response, amazing reaction after eight weeks. Just 20, 40, 25 milligrams a day. Today, these guys have to take 75 milligrams of Anavar because it's watered down because where they're getting it from is not quality. So it's all distorted today and what they're using, when they're using it, it's, um, it's just not, uh, you know, you're not getting good quality stuff today. So Vinny, we're already at our hour here. Finish off the show, telling us a little bit about your new sponsor, G-Code Nutrition. G-Code Nutrition by Greg Santosario. A bunch of us, Greg, he uh, was a head writer for Animal and, at the time, and I was with Universal. We knew each other. And uh, Greg uh, decided to go on his own and do his own thing, and he started uh, a great product line. Uh, right now, we have Vice and Rise, um, BCAAs, and an amazing pre-workout. Um, for a lot of the guys out there that are, that are 40 and over, 50 and over, even the young guys, it's the, the, the uh, Vice pre-workout is probably one of the best I've ever taken because it doesn't get me like I want to kill somebody in the gym. It just wakes me up and makes me alert. Um, we're going to be at the Arnold Classic in 19. Uh, look for us there. You're looking for us at uh, G-Code Nutrition on Instagram. And you see all the guys. Um, this weekend, we'll be, we'll be down in uh, Ed Ryan's gym and Iron Sports Gym in Pennsylvania. Um, we got some great products coming out, some great gear with uh, hoodies and T-shirts and hats. And um, we've got a great bunch of guys uh, working for us. And um, uh, Greg Santosario is the mastermind behind it. And, um, you know, he's given me some life to be like the bodybuilder again, you know, you know, I got a full-time job, but this, you know, bodybuilding has always been a hobby. It's always been a, a part-time thing for me, even though, uh, I've had the success I've had, I've always looked at it as a hobby. So to ride along with G-Code and uh, have me help them promote their name and they could promote my name has been a great, great run in the last year for me. Vinny, most of our listeners are in the U.S. For anyone in Canada like myself, are you guys shipping internationally? Say that again? Most of our listeners are in the U.S. For our listeners in Canada like myself, are you shipping internationally? I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. Next podcast, make sure you know the answer to that question because you'll probably get asked it. Okay. Vinny, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate you guys asking me. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate this. For your host, Trevor Kuritsen, for my co-host, Steve Smee, and for our special guest, IFBB Pro, Vinny Gelanti, this is another episode of Evolutionary Radio. Live your life, look at doing it. Thanks for listening.
Mm-hmm.